We are uh, starting um, a series in the book of Jude, and uh, somebody asked me this morning uh, how long the series is going to be, and it's going to be four Sundays today and then three more. Uh, yes, out of one book. Um, there's a lot in the book of Jude. Uh, how many of you have ever, how many of you uh, ever read the book of Jude? Okay, put your hands down. Now, don't be embarrassed about this. I just want to know. How many of you have never read the book of Jude? Okay, that's okay. And uh, how many of you uh, never knew there was a book of Jude? <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. I know how it works. I totally get it. Anyway, let's stand together. And so what I thought we would do this morning, be uh, considering that there's only one chapter, actually, there's only 25 verses, uh, I thought what we'd do on this sort of opening Sunday is that we would take uh, a little bit of time and we would read through the whole text. I'm going to read the blue. Uh, you're going to read white as per normal. Um, and uh, so you know, uh, if you got notes this morning or you got the notes online, we're not going to do point three at all. We're going to pick that up next week. Uh, but this is what it says. And it says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. been a while, huh? <laughs> now I remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Now you have it. Yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to announce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. They are hidden reefs at your love feasts as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept, away, slept, swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn twice dead uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars from whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever."
These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud-mouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus. They said to you in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. And may mercy and have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained with flesh. Well done. That's a long text, isn't it? But you got better as we went, so I'm thinking longer text on Sunday morning right now. That's what I'm thinking. I know, I know. Let's stop and let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word, but we also thank you for the living word, Jesus Christ, your gracious, extravagant, generous expression of your love and mercy and goodness. And Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that, Lord, we are not left on our own, but that you give us the spirit so we can have a mouth to speak, ears to hear, minds to understand, hearts to comprehend, and particularly as we leave this place, this tent, this presence, and go out into the world, into our homes and into our relationships and into our neighborhoods and our places of work and school and places where we get and receive our services. Lord, that we would have your grace and your mercy and your help by the power of the spirit to live out in meaningful, tangible ways what it means to be Christ followers. And so in his name, we ask these mercies. Amen. Why don't you be, why don't you be seated? Now, just as we begin, there's a number of things that we want to talk about. First of all, we want to talk about the format. Now, there are 25 verses, only 25 verses. There are 625 words. And there are eight, count them, eight Old Testament illustrations. Now, the writer obviously is Jude. Now, most of us, when we, well, I shouldn't say most, some of us, when we think of Jude, think of the Beatles. So, hey, Jude, who are you? Well, we know this from what we are told is that he is identified as the servant of Jesus and the brother of James. But then the question comes, well, who in the world is James? Because there are a lot of James in the Bible. So we know that in Acts chapter 15, verse 13, that James is the first leader of the church in Jerusalem. And Jude is James' brother, but both of them, James and Jude, by the way, are also half-brothers or step-brothers, if you will, of Jesus. But it's interesting that Jude does not identify himself heavy-handedly by saying, I am a brother of Jesus. He says, I am a servant of Jesus and a brother of James. Now... Jude is short for Judas. Now, have you ever noticed that there are some names that we never use to name our children? I haven't met anybody yet that has named their baby, their son, Judas. 
I've met some Judas, and that's good to go, but I've never met any Judases. And you know what I've noticed also is that you never name your child Judas, and you never name your child Adolf. Have you ever noticed that we never hear the name anymore of Adolf? Because, because, very seldom, because it, it is associated with somebody who is incredibly the standard, the benchmark of evil, which is Adolf Hitler. Now, Judas, Jude is the same thing. Now, Jude, he was named, obviously, before Judas Iscariot actually betrayed Jesus. And I think one of the reasons why he's referred to Jude here is because once Judas Iscariot did his thing, then the only thing to do left is to rearrange the name so that it doesn't reflect the ultimate of betrayal. And so his name is Jude. And by the way, in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, he is actually identified there, and this is before the betrayal, he is identified as Judas, but not particularly Judas Iscariot, which the Bible says. Now, who are, Jude, who are Jude's readers? Who are the recipients of this letter that was written to them. Well, first of all, we know that there are Jewish Christians because there are eight Old Testament illustrations here. And of course, Jude would have not written to a people who would not know the stories that are attached to these illustrations. But there's also this. There's also this. Now, Jude likes to present things in threes, which is a preacher's dream. Jude likes to present things in threes, in triads. And our first triad is here. He talks about those who are called. Called. Now, called looks to the past. And that's what you and I are. We're called. We are chosen. We are not here by happenstance or by coincidence. We have been called. We have been chosen we have been selected to be the sons and daughters of God. I'm called. You're called. We're called. And then it says that we are beloved or we are loved by God, the Father. Now, that's interesting because being loved refers to the present. And at this moment, currently... You and I, we are loved by God the Father. Now, I know that some of us have some twisted idea of who God the Father is and who God is, but if you could put that aside for a moment and just think about it, that you and I are loved by God. I'm loved. You're loved. And then it says this, it says, not only are we loved, but Romans, and you know these words, Romans tells us, for I am sure of this, that neither death nor life, nor angels or rulers or anything present or things to come, nor powers, heights or depths or anything else in all of creation is able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Now, folks, that's amazing. And I know that as Christians that we are so used to it and so familiar with it. But say it in your mind. Say it in your mind. I am loved by God the Father. I'm called, but I'm loved. Now, if that wasn't enough, Jude goes on and he says this. Not only am I called, and not only are you called, and not only are we loved, but we are kept. 
We are kept for Jesus Christ. That's about the future. Now, I know there's a lot of you, or some of you, I shouldn't say a lot of you, but some of us probably thinking about eternal security, and that's not on the radar this morning. But I can tell you this, that our names are not written in pencil in the Lamb's Book of Life. They're written in blood. And Paul says in Philippians, he says, he who began a good work in you, he's going to bring it to completion. Right? And he goes on and say, and even Jesus says in John chapter 10, he says that nothing or no one, and this is what Paul picks up in Romans that we just read about not being separated from the love of God. <clears throat> Jesus says that nobody and nothing is able to snatch us out of his hand and out of the Father's hand. That you and I are called. We are loved. And we are kept. Now, the other thing that's here, of course, is this, that we see the triune God here. It is the Holy Spirit who calls us. It is God the Father who loves us. And it is Jesus Christ that we are kept for. And then there's this. There's a blessing. He says this. He says, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you, to me. To us. Now remember, I told you that Jude likes to present things in threes, in triads. And here is another triad. Mercy, of course, is not receiving what we deserve. Grace is receiving what we don't deserve. But mercy is not receiving what we deserve. Peace. Peace is yet something else. Bob Mumford said these words. He said, peace with God brings the peace of God. It is a peace that settles our nerves, fills our minds, floods our spirit, and in the midst of the uproar around us, gives us the assurance that everything is all right. The Beatles, in addition to Hey Jude, by the way, I didn't know, don't know if you know this, here's some senseless, useless trivia. Um, Paul McCartney, who is, the, um, who is probably the most popular and famous of the Beatles, is only allowed to sing two Beatles songs. One of them is Hey Jude, and I don't know what the other one is. But the reason why he can't, because all of the rights to the Beatles song is held by the estate of Michael Jackson. You can't use them. But the Beatles, a long time ago, sang a song called All You Need Is Love. All you need is love. Right? Don't tell me you never listened to it. You ain't that holy, people. Come on. But the problem is they're absolutely right. The only issue is that their solution is absolutely wrong. The love of God is the only love that fills the heart with peace and assures the mercy, the, sorry, that assures the soul of mercy. And Jude says, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Say it. Say it again. Now look at your neighbor and say it to them.
Okay, that really, okay. I listened online last week, sucks is a bad word in a sermon. But that's kind of sucks. Come on, look at the person next to you and say it like you mean it. Nice, crazy people. But here's the purpose of Jude's writing. He says, first of all, that the first reason is that they are to contend or we are to contend for the faith. To contend for the faith. And then what is spelled out or rather what is stated in verse 3, which is this, is now clarified and revealed to us in verse 4. That we are to fight off or we are to warn, be warned against certain people. And I absolutely love that statement. For he says, for certain people, certain people, certain people, have crept in on notice who long ago were destined or designated for, their, for this condemnation, ungodly people, who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I think that probably in our minds, we can probably think of some illustrations of that. But who are these certain people? Well, these certain people are false teachers. That's who these certain teachers are. Now, have you ever been lied to? Have you ever been fooled? No? How many of you have been lied to? How many of you have been fooled? How many of you have been duped? Bamboozled? (laughs) Taken? Frauded? Let's hope you're not the ones doing that. Monday, last Monday, January the 20th. Article in the CBC News, Senior Lost... $732,000. $732,000 in a romance scam. The Canadian Anti-Fraud Center says victims of romance scams lost almost $25 million in 2018. And in 2017, they lost almost $17 million out of romance scams. And that's not including the ones that never, ever get reported. Now, it is something to be fooled, bamboozled, frauded, lied to when it comes to money. But it's a whole other thing when we are lied to and we are defrauded and we are bamboozled when it comes to our eternal soul. And this is what Jude is trying to get us to understand. And he says that certain people have crept in, they've infiltrated unnoticed. He says that false teachers are Satan's moles. Do you know what that means? That it is possible in this church. It's possible in any church. The 
possibility of Satan's moles. And they commit two serious sins. First of all, is that morally, they turn the gospel of God into sensuality and doctrinally, they deny our one and only master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Bible is filled with warnings about false teachers. And so what will happen to these false teachers, to these certain people? Well, again, remember, Jude loves presenting things in threes, and he gives us three examples. He says they are like the ancient people of Israel who believed, and he brought them out of Egypt, and then because of their unbelief, he ended up destroying them. And then he talks about the angels, the fallen angels, the rebellion in heaven, and the pride that led to that rebellion. And we looked at this uh, last year a little bit out of Isaiah and Ezekiel and then Revelation chapter 12. And then he gives us the third example of the twin cities. And the twin cities, of course, are indeed Sodom and Gomorrah because they are infamous for their sin. And Jude says that these certain people, these Satan's moles, these false teachers, their destruction, which was intended or was a reality long before they ever showed up, this is what their end is going to be. And then he begins to talk about who these certain people are, who these False teachers are Satan's moles. And he says that these certain people, they're dreamers. And by dreamers, it means that they claim that they have these divine revelations. And of course, their divine revelations supersede the Bible or Christian teaching or what the church has taught for the last 2,000 years. He says, not only that, he says, but, and I love what he says in in verse 16, he says, they are grumblers, they are malcontents, and they are loudmouth boasters. In other words, they're windbags. I really like that. I really like the fact, I mean, Jude would make a great evangelist, wouldn't he? Just railing, you know, he's just coming down. He says, first of all, he says, they, they are, you know, they're dreamers, they defile the flesh, they reject authority, and they blaspheme. Hold there for a moment. They blaspheme. Now, this is interesting. We, most of us know what blaspheme means, right? It means to speak evil of something or someone. But in our text, it means to do that with respect to spiritual realities and spiritual beings. Now, follow me here. We've heard the expression rush in where angels fear to tread? Right? Yeah, okay. This is this text. This is the nature of certain people, of Satan's moles, of these false teachers. They rush in where angels fear to tread. And then he gives us an interesting peek behind the curtain of the spiritual realm, and he gives us an interesting peek behind the curtain of the Old Testament. And he talks about the fact that they blaspheme the glorious ones, and as best as I can tell, the glorious ones that he's talking about here are the angels. And he gives us this example of the archangel Michael, 
who is disputing with the devil over the body of Moses. Now, that story comes to us from Deuteronomy chapter 34, and it basically comes down to four things. First of all, Moses dies, and he dies in the land of Moab. The third thing is that God buries his body. God buried him. And the fourth thing we know is that nobody knows where God buried him. Nobody knows that. Do you know why? Do you know why God had to bury the body of Moses and the people of Israel couldn't know where it was? Do you know why? Because they would have either done one of two things. They would have turned that site into a shrine and ended up worshiping it like a golden calf, or they would have dug him up and worshiped his dead remains. That's the idea here. But Jude tells us that the archangel Michael contended with the, with the devil disputing over the body of Moses. Now, honestly, I don't really know exactly what's going on there or why. But there is this. While the archangel Michael is disputing with the body, with the devil over the body of Moses, Jude tells us that he does not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, I want you to put your seatbelts on for a moment. There is a caution here for us, especially for us Pentecostals and Charismatics, because we are so open and so susceptible and wanting to be open to the things of the spirit, of the spiritual realm. We believe in angels and demons. We believe in the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We believe in spiritual warfare. We believe in those things. They are a part of our theology, our doctrine, our practices. But the caution here for us as Pentecostals and for us who are open to the realm of the Spirit about being cavalier about being careless or arrogant when it comes to spiritual things. I was interested to find in the Old Testament, in the book of Zechariah, a similar text. I want to read it to you. Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and, and this is a whole story about Joshua the high priest where he is brought into the presence of God and his dirty clothes, which represents his unrighteousness and filth, is taken off him and he is given new clothes, which represents righteousness and transformation and redemption. And you can read the story. But what I was intrigued to find is this. And this is what it says in Zechariah 3.1. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord, not Michael, not an angel, and the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. 
Now, I have been in Pentecostal, in Pentecost all my life. And I have pastored in Pentecostal churches for 33 years, and I am going to say there's, not everything, but there's a lot that I have seen and experienced. And one of the things that I have seen that is troubling in the context of Jude and this text in Zechariah is the amount of people, Pentecostals, Charismatics, who are cavalier and careless about the realm of the Spirit. And I have heard in my lifetime, and I wasn't taught this, but certainly picked it up and did it myself for some time until I realized that this is not the way to go, is that I find people rebuking this, I rebuke, I rebuke, or people claiming thus and so, or people binding and loosing. As if the spiritual authority is in Todd Manual. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, listen. I have no spiritual authority other than the name of Jesus Christ and the power of his name, his person and his name. And this is the idea that that, um, Jude is trying to get across to us is that when we traffic, when we find ourselves in the realm of the Spirit or we experience spiritual realities, we don't say I, we say the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Because the power is in the person of Jesus Christ and in the power of his name. And so when I invoke the Lord rebuke you, I am invoking the person of Jesus Christ and invoking the name of Jesus Christ. That's where the power is. That's where the authority is. And I might add, while you have your seatbelts on, the name of Jesus is not a magic potion. It's not a magical pennant. There's a story in the book of Acts. It's kind of a scary but funny story. It's a story in Acts chapter 19, and it's the story of the seven sons of Sceva. Say that five times without tangling it up. The seven sons of Sceva. The seven sons of Sceva. This is what it says. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that you take a hanky that I've used, hopefully it's clean, and you go over and you go over to Lynn over at St. Joe's And you put it on her, I guess on her head or something, whatever it is you do, and she gets healed. Apron, I love the word apron. It's so down to earth. But listen to the rest of the story. I mean, so what I'm trying to tell you is I believe this wholeheartedly. 
I believe this wholeheartedly, that this is actually possible. And then it says, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. The seven sons of a Jewish high priest by the name of Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I recognize, but who in the world are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, and they fled out of the house naked and wounded. It's a funny story, but there's an incredible reality there. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, if the archangel Michael, the chief angel, disputing with the devil, did not utter a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan, then don't you think that's a really good idea for us as all a really good practice for us? I think so. And then, of course, as I said, Jude, Jude loves to present things in threes and triads, and he gives us three other pictures from the Old Testament. He says, he gives us these three examples. He says that these false teachers, these certain people, these, uh, these moles of Satan, he says they are, they are like those who are in the way of Cain. And Cain's issue, of course, is anger. And at the root of the false teachers, at the root of these moles is anger because what they're angry about is they hate the Bible. They hate spiritual structure. They hate authority. And then he says, they've also wandered into Balaam's error. And Balaam's error, of course, is greed. And the lesson there is you don't curse what God has blessed. You can't curse what God has blessed. And then he talks about Korah's rebellion, that Korah's rebellion is about envy. I'm going to leave that and I'm going to move on, but I want you to, there's also this. Jude says of these certain people. He says, first of all, that they are hidden reefs at your love feast at the communion table and anybody that knows boating knows exactly what that is about and he says they are without fear they're self-absorbed isn't that the truth they're waterless clouds they're all show but no substance and then he says they're fruitless trees remember the story in Mark's gospel where Jesus comes up to the fig tree And he curses it. You know why he cursed it? Because it had the appearance of fruit and not the reality of fruit. Hypocrisy. And then he says there are wild waves. Again, a lot of show, a lot of froth, a lot of bubbles. But no substance. And then he says this, and this is my favorite. He says they are wandering stars. Actually, it literally means shooting stars. Now, I did some homework from grade 7. And I've discovered again that light travels at 5.88 trillion miles per year. It's called a light year, or 9.9 trillion kilometers for us Canadians a year. 
That means that light travels at 186, 282 uh, miles per second. And if you want to put that in sort of a, a way to understand it is that in one second, you can travel, if you travel at the speed of light, you can travel around the earth 7.5 times in one second. But he says this. I also learned this, that did you know that a shooting star, when we see it in the sky, is already dead? It had died a long time before we even see it. And that's what Paul says these false teachers are like. In verse 4, he says, for certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were destined or designated for this condemnation. Interesting. He quotes Enoch, the seventh from Adam, thousands of years before Jude writes this, before Jesus shows up. He says that basically that false teachers always have been around. They're around now and they'll be around in the future, which is our time. I want to close with this. You know, I have heard from time to time people say to me, you really believe the Bible? (laughs) I really do. You really believe that Jesus is the only way to God? Yes. You believe that there's a heaven to gain, a hell to avoid? Yes, I do. I do. I believe the Bible. And here's why. I believe Jesus is the Son of God resurrected from the dead. You know why? Because I know what it means to be forgiven and feel like I've had a bath. I know that even as a Christian, when I have committed sin, and I've come and I confess my sin, I know what it means to experience like I've been washed. I have heard his voice. And they will say to me, are you crazy? Okay. Are you out of your mind? In the 21st century, you really believe this stuff? And they say, are you like insane? And I found this quote from the sayings of the early church fathers. And Father Anthony or Aunt St. Anthony said this, a time is coming when men, of course the language is in masculine, a time is coming when men will go mad And when they see somebody who is not mad, they will attack him saying, you're mad. You're not like us. Stand with me. Father, I know your word as hard things to say. Jesus, I know that you've said hard things in the Gospels. And I know that you have said some hard things to me and probably to many of us in this room and those watching online. Father, I pray for our church, for our congregation, for this flock. I pray that, Lord, if there is any, and I don't know of any at the moment, and I'm not suggesting any of that, if there's any that have the potential to be false teachers or, Lord, if there be Satan's moles in our midst, 
that you will root that you will root them out, and you will give us the wisdom and the discernment to identify them. But in the meantime, I thank you that you have called us into your tent, into your presence. You have covered us, and I ask in the name of Jesus that you will set a hedge of protection around this congregation. Father, I pray that you will find us to be faithful and true and pure. And I pray, Father, that you will add to your people those who will be saved. And we ask this in one name only, the name that is above every other name, Jesus Christ the righteous. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.